You're listening to Sermons at St. Mary's, homilies of Father Don Nectarius Hawk, recorded live at St. Mary's Antiochian Orthodox Christian Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Gospel according to St. Luke. Let us attend. The Lord spoke this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank thee that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Good morning. I wanted to begin this morning by thanking you for those of you who knew especially, but thank all of you for your prayers for myself and especially for Korea Maggie. She uh, underwent surgery this week, fairly major surgery actually, and I'll tell you about the details later, but uh, thanks be to God, he was faithful and brought her through it. And so she's uh, at home recovering at this time, so glory to God for all of his goodness and provision for his people. This morning, beloved, as I was mentioning to the kids earlier, we are looking at two different realities that coincide so beautifully within the kingdom of God. As we heard from the hymns this morning, we, we are taking leave or saying goodbye to the feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Last Sunday, as you recall, was the actual day of the feast, February 2nd. Not often does it fall on a Sunday, but last Sunday we celebrated it. And we heard the story, and eight days later, today, counting today, we say goodbye to the feast. And the rhythm of the liturgical life of the church's year is so powerful, so powerful in in our midst. Because we're able to be there. We're able to immerse ourselves into the reality of these events, not just recalling them, you know, years ago, centuries ago, oh yeah, that was a nice thing that happened. But no, beloved, all of the events that we celebrate throughout the the Orthodox Church year are realities that impact us 
and transform us today in our lives as we immerse ourselves into those events and embrace the reality that God, the internal reality that God wants to, to do, the work in our lives that he, from the very beginning, has desired to do. So we say goodbye to this feast for this year. And the church, as well, doesn't leave us hanging. Oh, what do we do now, kind of thing. No, we move on into the next phase, the next rhythm, the liturgical rhythm of the life of the church. And that is the season of the Triodion. It's a big word, of course, but it, it's the season of, of, of the preparation and the entrance into Great Lent. This Sunday is the first Sunday of the Triodion. And always, every year at this time, we hear of this gospel, the gospel of the Pharisee and the publican. Why? Because it is so powerfully packed with realities that you and I relate to. Now you say, well, wait a minute, Father Don, I'm not a Pharisee, I'm not a publican. Those, are, those guys are, you know, they lived a long time ago and, and I don't collect taxes. And I'm not, you know, that kind of person like that Pharisee is. Well, it goes beyond that, beloved. It goes beyond the actual people and the events of these stories. And I want to, this morning, for the bulk of my homily, I want to read to you from a portion of the sermon of St. John of Kronstadt about this Sunday regarding this gospel reading. St. John, of, of course, most of us know him as the, the light of Orthodox Russia uh, right up to before the time of the Bolshevik Revolution. So he's a saint basically of modern day. St. John was an extraordinary man. Extraordinary man, a powerful saint, a healer, one who was a powerful preacher, and one who really prepared, at least for those who had the ears to hear and the eyes to see, prepared the people of Russia for the, the horrible, horrible series of events that were to happen in Russia uh, with the communist takeover back in 1917. Here's what St. John says about this particular gospel. He says, Pharisees and tax collectors, not in name, but according to their deeds, exist, even in our time. The passion of self-exaltation and self-praise to this day reigns among the children of fallen Adam. He describes that vice of pride that we saw so clearly in the story today as self-exaltation, self-praise. Heeding the call of our mother, the church, let us discuss how dangerous this passion is and what can move us toward humility. Where does the passion of self-exaltation and self-praise in us come from? Good question. One that all of us should reflect on every day of our life as we examine ourselves, examine our hearts, our consciences, our motives, our inclinations. Well, he answers it. He says, it comes from the same source where all of our sins originate, from the first ancestral sin, 
Man was created in order to love God. How many times do we talk about that, beloved? And we'll never tire. I will never tire of saying that over and over and over again to all of us, to remind us and encourage us. That's why we're here on this earth. is to love God. And of course, therefore, to love one another because that love of God, which is, which is generated within us, can go nowhere else but flow out <laughs> to others. Man was created in order to love God as he was the cause of man's being. And in order to contemplate God's perfection and imitate him, faithfully fulfilling his will. But man loved himself more than he loved God. And desired to usurp his perfection, to be as great as God and to be his own master. Thus he subjected himself to self-love, self-exaltation, self-praise and pride and he fell. Therefore, listen to this. This is very important, beloved. I mean, all of these words are very good words, and I can't say them any better. That's why I'm reading them, okay? But what St. John says now is very important for us to get. He says, therefore, self-exaltation or pride is a passion that is spiritually fatal to man. which makes him hostile to God and contemptuous toward his neighbors. Can God look with favor toward a creature who puffs up his own perfections and finds no equal to them? As if we had something that is actually our own? Here is the beginning of our passion of self-exaltation. As a sinful passion, it is naturally one of our soul's infirmities, having infected our soul at the moment of the fall of the first people. As a false opinion regarding one's own perfection. Isn't that what pride is, ultimately? A false opinion of one's own perfection. As a movement of the will that goes against the law, this passion is also the fruit of the suggestions of that, that evil spirit who himself fell due to pride and envy and lured man to share his fall through these same sins. He goes on to mention about the Pharisee in the temple praising himself as we heard, he says the simple fact that someone praises himself, be it in church before God, before everyone else, is already suspicious. True perfection, true virtue is modest. It hides, it likes to hide in secret and does not dare ascribe to itself its own perfection much less humiliate others, which is what we saw today as we heard in the gospel. You say that you are kind, compassionate to all, zealous 
toward the faith and then the Holy Church, and that you weaken your flesh through fasting. So far, so good, he says. But who gave you the right to refer to yourself with the names of these honored virtues? Who declared you good, compassionate, zealous toward the church and her holy ordinances? Was it God? Was it an angel? Or did you yourself weigh up your own virtues? How can we appraise our own actions? How are we capable of weighing them? What is the measure that we use? Do we know well our own impure hearts, which always, or at least very often, play a large part in the performance of good deeds? When taking into account our own virtues, do we include self-love or other unseemly motives? How easy it is sometimes to hide from our own consciousness that unseemly motives, the unseemly motives that were in fact the true reasons for our good deeds. The poison of sin has penetrated deeply into our souls and unbeknownst to us, it poisons almost all of our virtues. Is it not better to scrutinize oneself more often and more closely and to notice our faults in the depth of our soul in order to correct them rather than to display externally our virtues? Actually, why should we display them externally, he says, or praise ourselves when the most impartial judge of them is in heaven, our Lord God, who can give to every man according to his ways and certainly knows how to weigh up our deeds. Let us allow him to judge our virtues and without exaltation work out our own salvation in fear and trembling, as St. Paul tells us. Those are very penetrating words, beloved. Those, but those are the kind of thoughts that we should wrap around our minds and allow to penetrate into our minds and our hearts as we prepare for Great Lent. St. John goes on to say this. He says, we must not exalt ourselves before others, but we should rather humble ourselves, as our Lord says. We just heard. And how many reasons to humble ourselves do each of us have? <laughs> Man possesses nothing of his own. All that he has, he has received from God. His soul, his body, everything that he has, except for sin. Every good deed also comes from God. What can man boast of? As St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, he says, And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? If he boasts of his virtues, then he blasphemes. 
ascribing to himself that glory that belongs to God alone. Furthermore, every person is more or less in a weak spiritual state. At the very least, very many people find themselves in a state of sinful insensitivity. This sickly, false confidence they have in themselves is so unbearable, and yet they feel completely healthy and feel no need of a physician. What more motive then do we have to not think highly of our good deeds than the fact that they are perhaps a delusion of our souls? He finishes up what he says in his homily by saying this, Beloved, we are all sinners in need of God's mercy. If the blood of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world had not interceded for us, then each day and every hour the blows of heavenly justice would rattle us. And every hour and every day, I should say, every day our sinful souls would have lived and died in misery and would taste neither joy nor peace for all eternity. But the Son of God intercedes for us. Glory to God. That's the good news of the gospel, beloved. And because of his merits, our sins do not cry out so loudly, seeking to be avenged. God forgives us our sins as long as we are ready ourselves to acknowledge them and to repent of them. Yes, God forgives us our sins. We must only lament them, beg with all our hearts for forgiveness from the Lord Jesus, and He, through the grace and compassion of His love for mankind, forgives through His servant all the sins that burden our conscience. Imitating the humility of the publican, then, let us eradicate in us by all means the boasting of the Pharisee. Once again, our Lord gives us the opportunity to do just that, beloved. So let us be faithful as we enter into this preparation time of great Lent. Let us be faithful and do the good work of doing battle against those sinful passions that keep us from God, especially the one of self-exaltation and self-praise, so that we may instead give glory to him, for he is due all glory, praise, and honor. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Christ is in our midst. for listening. Find us online by searching St. Mary Orthodox Omaha or at facebook.com forward slash stmaryomaha. Amen.